The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, the one, the only, the illustrious. Feeling pretty studly today, wearing myself <laughs> nipple tassels and a kilt. Yeah, <laughs> sex act. Scott Alexander. And right across from me is the sweetest little girl on the planet. At least I look that way. You do. Come sit on my lap. <laughs> I definitely have candy for you. <laughs> Laura Jameson. Say hi, Laura. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Next car. <laughs> I'm all full of fucking caffeine now. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I've had quite a bit. Well, like last night, I was feeling like shit because, you know, I'm diabetic and I had a diabetic episode where my Mm. blood sugar just fucking crashed. And then I was feeling like crap. So I had to send Squatch over fucking to get me some some NyQuil. And she brought me back this NyQuil honey. It does not taste like honey. (laughs) It tastes like I stuck my tongue into a skunk's ass. <laughs> it's for its medicinal use, not for its flavor. Oh, in it's this got, case, it's got some fucking flavor to it. All right, Jesus <laughs> Christ, nasty! It knocked me out though, but it gave me a, some fucked up dreams. So that was cool too. I took melatonin last night so I could get up at eight o'clock this morning since we're basically nocturnal, <laughs> uh, and it, it, it does that every time. Like I sleep really well for six hours, and then I wake up out of nowhere, like awake. And then when I go back to sleep, it's the most fucked up, crazy dreams ever. Dude, you should record that shit. Like, seriously, <laughs> write that shit down. That's a whole other podcast. All right. Yeah. So let's jump into these two motherfuckers right here. We got Richard Dean Davis and Dana Riley. The, the horror and nightmare of their victims stun the world. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so after reading about serial killer cases for decades and talking about them, here with you over the year, over a year, uh, one would think we'd seen, heard, and read about it all. Then a case like this one is brought to our attention. A case that shocked our senses and turns our stomachs. A case that truly makes us wish we could still take an, uh, uh, an offender and string them up by the neck from the highest tree. And that's not a lynching joke because... Some people get offended. They go, yeah. you must be talking about black people. No, no. not. <laughs> lynching is not just for, for African-Americans anymore, okay? That's why people got lynched, too. First time. <laughs> All right. So, to hell with their rights to due process, by the way. We should just string them up and hang them. Which I'm all for, man, because rope is reusable. <laughs> Just it's saying. recycling. Yeah, it's recycling. It's better for the environment. It makes the people for Greenpeace happy because we're not wasting <laughs> yes. anything. It makes me happy because we get to hang sick-ass motherfuckers. It's win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we started this podcast, we vowed to only talk about the most depraved individuals uh, individuals that people have, have ever heard of. Oh, never heard of. Sorry, because I can't read... Hooked on phonics. <laughs> it was week two in episode seven when we presented the case about a serial killer couple that we still talk about to this day. And before even reading on, I know who the hell she's talking about. <laughs> it's definitely Carla Hermolka. And fuck Paul Bernardo and Hermolka. And I really hope someday she hears this podcast because Carla, 
You're they cunt. were fucked up. The Ken and Barbie killers. Oh, shit, yeah. 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 You know, when when you're sitting there letting Paul fucking rape your sister. Your I, own sister. Yeah. I If I get on my curler hermoka kick, this whole episode will just be about them. Because, God, I just hope <laughs> somebody hits her with a bus. Yeah. I, think my I agree. All right. So <laughs> they were a couple that grew up in privilege. Bernardo was so charismatic. He could have taken over the world and done great things. Hermolka was so beautiful. All she had to do was smile uh, to be. All she had to be was, was a smiling trophy wife. And she would have the masses eating out of the palm of her hand. Which I didn't think she was that hot, but that's just me. That's, I yeah. even younger. I look at her and yeah. go, yeah, you're kind of, you're, you're okay. Like, I have gotten better-looking chicks than that, you know, like, at last call at a venue. So, <laughs> I really am beautiful. Yeah, you are. Let's go. Let's go bang. I'm pretty sure you weren't entirely sober either. Uh, <laughs> folks, I'm rarely sober, okay? That's a rarity. On the outside, they were the perfect couple. However, behind closed doors, they were so depraved. That when the, the truth came out about what they had done, all of Canada was shocked and outraged. And I was too. And yeah. I'm not even in Canada. What the, uh, what the couple were presenting today, Richard Dean Davis and Dina Riley, nobody ever really expected them to do great things. Everybody had no doubt that Davis wouldn't amount to anything special. They also knew that Riley had pretty much thrown her life away. However, nobody expected them to do the things that they actually did together. So I want to warn you. Some parts of this presentation goes into graphic detail. I remind you that listener discretion is strongly advised. But you know what? Honestly, if you've listened this far here in my foul mouth, I <laughs> doubt that there's this, much, yeah. much I could do to offend you. Because seriously, I've, I've said some things that we still have some listeners that hang, you know, that really have. Hey, he just said that. I mean, he talked about having sex with goats, but that's just Scott. Let's listen to the rest of the episode. Exactly. You sick. Exactly. Sick people. <laughs> sick. <laughs> so. Can prison really change a man? Well, I think it can. Oh, yeah. My butt tells a story. Depends on, <laughs> on what horrible. kind of change it is. There I was. It was all spit <laughs> determination. A <laughs> little bit of soap. <laughs> Only on good days. <laughs> oh, <that's true. laughs> they call them donkey for a reason. Oh, God. <laughs> May 25th of 2005 is the day that a lot of people in Missouri probably wished never existed. That was the day when Richard Dean Davis was released from prison in Bonterre, Missouri, for the last time. He stood outside the gates with his face in the spring sun. The 40-year-old repeat offender knew he was at the crossroads of already of an already wasted life. Davis was raised in Kansas in the Kansas City area. And like so many other revolving door felons, he came from a broken home. Of course. Yeah. That, you know what? Here's the thing. We always relate that. Like, my, my, my home life was fucked up. Like, really fucked up and abusive. I'm not out there serial not killing, killing a goddamn person. Now, granted, I am kind of a whore. And, uh, you know, and I want to bang everything. But I'm not. I, That's I, a different subject. Like, <laughs> Let's just You're say, not killing anybody. Exactly, man. I'm just giving that cat a stabbing. 
I ain't murdering nobody. Well, except for murdering some vagina. But uh, anyways. <laughs> You're really killing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> By the time he was 13 years old, he already had a reputation among local law enforcement as being a juvenile delinquent. The majority of his teenage years, he was in and out of juvenile detention facilities and reform schools. Therefore, it wasn't a real big surprise when he moved on to the adult penal system. The last time Davis was released from one of Missouri's prisons was in 1987. That time, he had been locked up for theft. Once he hit the streets, he managed to go a couple of months before he was charged and convicted of rape. Because great. what goes great with stealing? A little bit of rape. Of course. It's like a combo meal. We're <laughs> just missing the drug use. That's what I'm waiting for. And they found him with heroin needles stuck in yeah. his arm, you know, or some bullshit like that. <laughs> he had a kilo <laughs> of cocaine with him. Like, he had to yeah. steal a lot of stuff to get that fucking key. Yeah. <laughs> Dave has always maintained that the victim consented to having sex with him. Granted, he was holding a knife to her throat, but that's not the point. According to him, thankfully, a jury didn't see it the same way that he did, and he received 25 years in prison. Back in you go. Yeah, get back in there, you loser motherfucker. Knew we'd see you again. Yeah, welcome back. Do you have your punch card? Exactly. <laughs> look at that fifth one. It's free. Go have a good time. Grab a donut. Yeah. While he was in prison, like so many other felons, Davis found God and was born again. Uh, of course. Praise the Lord. Yeah. After 17 years and 11 months, he managed to convince the Missouri Parole Board that he was a changed man because he's going to get better at raping. Considering <laughs> he was standing on the outside of the prison gates... Uh, in the beginning of this presentation, they gave him a chance to prove it. They're like, okay, get out of here. We know that you're going to be raping anymore. <laughs> you little scamp. Yeah. I got to get a Smack him on the hand. Maybe he wants a smack on his butt. Yeah. Ah, like a bad boy. <laughs> All right. From the first... For the... From the first nine months of Davis's release, people were starting to think that maybe he had changed. He did everything his, his parole officer wanted him to do. He got a job, and he went to work every day. He didn't step a foot in any local bars, or the distant ones, for that matter. He's like, eh, no, I'm not going to drink. I'm cool. So he was in the honeymoon phase yeah, of his you know? release. So. Right now, he's kind of behaving himself. He knows I'm not raping, I'm not drinking, and I'm working. So I'm good. He went to uh, every mandatory sex offender counseling session and substance abuse meeting. He showed up for every appointment he made with his parole officer and registered his address with the sex offender registry. However, everyone knows that appearances can be deceiving. Yes. Oh, yes. Behind closed doors... He masturbated a lot with donkey penises. No, that's not the story. That's not the story. <laughs> Davis has started feeding his obsession with sadism. Was that sadism? Sadism. That yeah. is okay. I read that right. God dang! Hooked on phonics. Fucking meat glasses. 
sexual domination and asphyxiation. Now, okay, I'm going to stop right there. Of himself or someone else? That's what I was wondering. But, you know, hey, just because you're into sexual domination and a little bit of, you know, S&M, you know, spanking and bondage and shit like that, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a fucktard and kill people. I'm wearing a collar and I'm not killing people, and I'd I, like to point out again. I'm just saying I've got a leash. I'm getting ready to lead you away. <laughs> you don't own but, this. <laughs> Uh, I thought this was a lease to buy. God Mm-mm. damn it. I got to read contracts better. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he was feeding his sick, depraved compulsion to strangle the women who dared to have sex with him. What the hell? Really? Like, seriously, dude, if you're getting laid, for fuck's sakes. Like, okay, here's the deal, boys and girls. If you own a vagina, you can get laid pretty easy. It's not that, I mean, unless you're like a mongoloid or something, and they're like, I'm not even sure that's a person. Unless you're in Florida. Yeah, unless you're in Florida, then you got to be someone's daughter. <laughs> um, that's Daddy Issues 101 right there for Florida. It's just sick. But um, if you have a penis, getting laid can be a little difficult sometimes. Like you're a walking. more work. You know, hell yeah. You're like, hey, you see anything down here? You're like, okay, you don't. Like you're a door-to-door dick salesman sometimes. <laughs> Like, hey, this one here's got a few miles on it, but still work. Oh, you're not itch. Okay, no, I'm just going to go. Yeah, hello. Door slam. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a rough day being a door-to-door dick salesman. I didn't get one sale. Jesus Christ. That's no sales for the last three months. But so the privilege of having sex with him, I mean, dude, it, it's not like he's John Holmes or. or right. Or, right. Or, or even. Um, oh, what's the gross dude? God damn it. Um, yeah, I. I. Oh, my God. I know exactly. Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy, yeah. And Ron Jeremy's gross. And have you seen him now? Oh, I did. Oh, my. First court trials and shit like that. Yeah, looking old AF, seriously, and greasy, and you always looked greasy. You're lucky enough to have sex with me. Oh, get off of yourself, you piece of garbage. Yeah. Every every free chance Davis had, he surfed the web and... Uh, stopped on every fetish website he could find. I do that shit, but okay. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> I hate that as a, like, it, it makes everybody who likes that look bad. Yeah, I know. This is this is making me uncomfortable because, like, I'm not a freak of nature. I, I, okay, I am, but I'm not, like, a murderer. And, right. Like, I, I like all kinds of weird shit. That's yeah. just me. He even began a substantial collection of videos that depicted his disgusting sexual obsession. That's not disgusting. How is that disgusting? Well, we don't know exactly what he was looking at. We don't know. Exactly. Okay, I'll give it that. Don't get me wrong. I don't have an issue with BDSM in general. However, people who practice BDSM adhere to guidelines and boundaries that should always be followed. Safe, sane, and consensual. Exactly. Okay, I'm, I'm digging now. His fantasies, his fantasy didn't have any guidelines let alone a single boundary. In fact, Davis's ultimate fantasy was to make a star in his own snuff film. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, you know fucked what? Up. That's fucked up. I'm, I'm on board with the, <laughs> that it was a fucked up obsession that he That's had. That's a disgusting, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, there's no, no, no snuff films. That's no. just crime any man. Sometime toward the end of the ninth month of seemingly perfect behavior, Davis hooked up with Dina Riley. It didn't take much to capture her attention. In fact, 
All he had to do was present her with a baggie of methamphetamine, and she would have done whatever he wanted. Well, yeah, she's a fucking meth head. Yeah. You have a little bit of meth? I'll suck your dick for some meth. It's a fucking meth head. Come on. Jesus Christ. You're going to do what you're going to do. Addiction (laughs) is addiction. (laughs) This is true. This is true. After all, it only took a little meth for her to turn her back on her husband, children, and her self-respect. Which is probably better for her husband and children <laughs> for her to get the fuck out. Yeah, no shit. Her, her, her husband's probably sitting there and thank fucking God. God, yeah. Yeah. I can confidently say that Davis, Riley, and their meth were a match <laughs> made in the depths of hell. Yeah, I bet you to them it was like meth heaven. Yeah. She probably changed her name to Methany. Methany. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard, I'm hearing these jokes too, folks, so bear with me <laughs> while I laugh, because I don't even know what I'm going to say after that. Everyone would agree, <clears throat> everyone would agree with me that they, dis- uh, that they discovered that long after Davis and Riley became a couple, they were accused of acting out his sexual fantasies with two women, two women who lost their lives while the couple videotaped every second of their torture. Uh and it gives us who like BDSM such a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You all want to kill people and torture them. No. No, I don't want to kill everybody. I especially don't want to kill anybody in my bedroom. And the, the, that's the difference. The people I do want to kill, I don't want to fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's me 100%. Like, seriously. You know, somebody say, hey, you want to fuck her? And if the answer is like, I'd rather kill her, then yeah, that's a no. I yeah. don't want to bang her. It's like, no, I'd rather fucking kill her. I'd rather not. Yeah. However, that's not all. This sick couple also uh, was also facing charges of kidnapping and sexual assault. They were being accused of abducting Davis's five-year-old niece and sexually uh. violating her. The law finally caught up to him. After Davis and Riley were behind bars, a lot of people sat around and wondered how another sex offender could go through so many years of rehabilitation and classes and therapy sessions. And still go out and com- uh, commit another offense. Because it's something fundamentally broken in him that will exactly. never be fixed. That's how it is in and people like that. The and women too. Yeah, the researcher said, I'm sitting here typing this and wondering how nobody even considered it was a possibility. Yeah. Which is true. Here's the thing. And you and I have talked about it because we had the same drug of choice. Yes. Um, you're not going to change unless you personally wanted to you can unless throw, you want to change you have to be ready to change yeah they could yeah. have thrown you and i in prison from now until the dawn of time and given us drug classes from he, no, morning noon and night and it's not going to matter until you decide that you're going to get clean and it's the yep. same way with these assholes you can give them a hundred thousand bajillion goddamn hours of uh of you know sex offender training yeah. and, and sex classes and unless that person sits there and goes, you know what? I need to make that change in my life, and I'm right. going to schedule myself. You know, I'm, I'm going to really get on myself to, to make this change. They're not going to change. Nope. There's fuck six, and nobody seems to realize, oh, but they had all these classes. They're a good person now. No, they're not. They're not, and you can't make, you can't make <laughs> someone, doesn't matter how bad you want them to change. They're not going to until they're ready. Uh, exactly, you know, and I learned that with my killer ex-wives. <laughs> That is a that's that's an excellent name for a TV show for another <laughs> podcast. My killer ex-wives. That's oh got to be yes. on Discovery. Hey, Investigate watch Discovery. Take a note. 
The next podcast, My Killer Ex-Wives. My Killer Ex-Wives. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the star of that one because I've had, I, I've actually had one really good ex-wife. And uh, there was, yeah, Mirza's fucking tremendous. All righty, let's get back into this because I'll, I'll flap my mouth about myself <laughs> all the fucking time, right? All right. In 1978, before anyone knew that Dennis Rader was the BTK killer, he sent a letter to Wichita News explaining that his Factor X theory, a theory that has lived in infamy ever since. Some people of certain urges, they just can't repress. Right. These urges are beyond uh, explanation and a set of sexual killer... What? And set a sexual killer apart. Oh, there we go. I just it all ran together for me. <laughs> My glasses should be here next week, I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, from society in general and other criminals specifically. Raider tried explaining uh, tried explaining it uh, in nineteen in a nineteen seventy eight letter typos and all. Okay, so typos in his letter. Get it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just didn't make sense to me for a moment. Quote you don't understand these things because you're not under the influence of Factor X. The same thing that made Son of Sam, Jack the Ripper, Harvey, uh, Gl- Glattman? Yeah. Okay. Boss, the Boston Strangler, Dr. H.H. H. Holmes, Pantyhose Strangler of Florida, Hillside Strangler, Ted of the West Coast, I think he means Ted Bundy. Bundy, yeah. And many more infamous characters kill. It seems senseless. But we cannot help it. There is no help, no cure, except death or being caught and put away. That was his uh, quote from his At little letter. he realized it. Which is cool. I didn't even know that that came from Dennis Rader. I, yeah. I, I actually respect that. He knew what he was about. And he knew that you either need to lock my ass up. Or you're going to have to kill me. Yep, or kill me, because that's the only way I'm going to stop. Yeah. By that, by that definition... Ricky Davis definitely had this uh, unexplainable factor X. I would agree. Okay, no, I was just reading on. She said Ricky, but it's Richard. But, okay, whatever. There's no denying it now. According to Dr. Catherine... Seyfert. Thank you, because that's a fucked up name. (laughs) A forensic psychologist and... Uh, psychotherapist, quote, people don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a serial killer or serial rapist and a killer. Something leads up to it. Oh, no, Always. not me. Yeah. I woke up <laughs> this morning and decided that I'm going to be a serial masturbator. And, uh, oh, that's different. Okay. My Isn't bad. that sort of a serial killer? <laughs> 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 You're killing all those children, Scott. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> because no one was here to swallow them like the great white whale. Anyway, that's a different podcast, too. <clears throat> here's, da- here's Davis and Riley's history. You decide if people should have seen it all, uh, have, have seen all this coming. Dina Marie, her high school sweetheart. No, she marries. Is that Mary's? Dina, Dina marries, marries her high school sweetheart. I knew that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I shouldn't be allowed to read shit anymore until I get my new glasses. I swear to God. And that is some large font, sir. It is, but it's just like my, my eyes twitched. No, I know. And I'm like, uh, I get it. I, it could be Marie, it could be Mary's, it could be Mary Go Round. <laughs> I don't know. 
Dina Dolores Riley grew up in a good family in Kansas City. Her trouble started when she began feeling like she was never good enough. That led her to partying while she was a student at Hickman Hill Hickman Mills High School. Okay, hold on. Stop right there. I partied a lot in my junior and senior year in high school mm-hmm. and then throughout college. Um, that had nothing to do with my family. That had to do with I like alcohol and vaginas. That's, that's what that had to do with. So I can't really say I don't feel good enough. So instead of trying harder, I'm just going to party. That's, that's lame. No, it's, it's exactly what I did. That is one of my fundamental core beliefs that I have to work on all the time is that I'm not good enough. And get the fuck out. When you feel like that, you you don't want to feel that. So yeah, then you're gonna go party and no and do whatever you're gonna do to numb those feelings. So that's I know exactly how that is. That leaves me a little confused because I think that you're fucking tremendous. Well, thank you. And I know that John <laughs> thinks you're tremendous. Thank you. And I don't know what Squatch thinks because all she does, like, she's a Sasquatch, and all I hear from her is, and Sasquatchy shit. (laughs) Um, You know, Dawn thinks you're fan. Everybody thinks that you're fan. Logically, logic is one thing, but it's even when you're not even explicitly told that, but it's it's still implied over and over and over again. You can't, you know, it just it just becomes ingrained and it's taking some work. <laughs> well, it's probably negative self-talk too. Cause that, that happens. To oh me. yeah. Because yeah. you know, in my head, I'm like the worst musician on the planet. It's that voice. Yeah. It's yeah. that little voice. Cause you yep. know, you're a piece of shit. Yep. It's like, but I make money doing this. I mean, yeah, still, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I still hear my parents yeah. voice, you know, tell me I'm going to wind up in a gutter. It's, Fantastic. No, no, okay, I, 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 I totally get it. I totally get it. When, when traumatizing things happen too, when you're like, well, if I was, if I was good, this wouldn't happen, you no. know. So I can dig that, you know, and wondering why my parents hate me, you know. Yeah, I was getting the shit knocked out of me. So no, I, I, okay, I'm right there with you. I'm, I, yeah, I'm gonna change what I said. I totally fucking understand <laughs> that. I solved a lot. Yes. When she met Mark Riley. Uh, when she and Mark Riley got together in high school, she finally felt like she met someone that made her feel like she was cared for, uh, you know, basically for who she was. Accepted. <laughs> yeah, accepted. Seen. He later said he was on the rebound from a recent breakup, and he found her outgoing personality to be comforting, and he said, quote, we started hanging out, and it went from there to more to a more intense relationship, which makes sense. It makes sense, especially when somebody that you're around is super outgoing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a supportive feeling. You mm-hmm. know? That's why I've had a lot of loser women cling on to me, because I'm super outgoing. Yeah. And they're like, he's not damaged at all. Oh, no, bitch. I'm fucking damaged <laughs> as fuck, let me tell you. Don't let this veneer fool you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't even want to unpackage all this, all this mess right here. It's just... It's a whole bunch of fucked up. Yeah. A few short weeks after she walked on the stage to receive her diploma at her 1985 graduation, she was walking down the aisle to marry Mark. Within three years, she gave birth to three daughters. God damn. damn. She puts out. God damn. Go, girl. Holy shit. Mark's just laying some pipe. (laughs) 
I'm kind of proud of Mark. Damn. Back in the saddle again. He was again. just making more work for himself, really. <laughs> I mean. I'm no kidding, man. I think he should work construction. Cause Duke can lay some pipe. I tell you <laughs> Seriously. what. Seriously. Not long after her third daughter was born, Mark had to pick up the slack at home because she started neglecting even the most basic of household chores. What a plot. Here he is out there busting his ass, and she's like, fuck, I'm just going to be a bum. <clears throat> so anyways, she got tired of being a mom. Mark said that during that time, she began relying on the support of his mom and dad, a retired police officer from Raytown. He was finding it difficult to care for the girls while he worked extra hours in Lexi, Le, Lenexa. Lenexa as a dental lab technician because Dana had pretty much checked out. She's like, adios, bichachos. Regarding that time, he said, quote, a lot of times my mom and dad would buy us groceries. That is fucked up. You have to think about, though, like she's still a kid, basically. She just had... She just got married. She just had three kids. You don't know. Maybe she had horrible postpartum depression after each one of these. And it okay. became so overwhelming that she just shut down. I'm not saying that's what she did, but it's a possibility. Okay. So, little, another little story about me. So, fucking, when Jake's mom bailed and just left Jake and I alone. Yeah. Number one, I am a horrible father. And I will fully admit that because nobody ever trains us dads to do this shit however i knew that i had to get my shit together and take care of my son because he's not surviving without me right apparently when i left him on someone's doorstep they returned him to me they said no (laughs) no we're not taking this no no taxi backsies yeah so yeah i I mean so in my brain especially being a mom i would think that the mom instincts would have like kicked in and said okay i need to get my shit together i need to take care of these these little people that i've created Right. You know, because seriously, man, if you like the dick and you get pregnant, you're going to have kids. There are consequences. There, there's consequences. And just like if you like the badge and you get someone pregnant, there's always consequences. Yes. There's good and bad. You know, just fucking deal with that shit. Damn it. I know. Mark also began to notice that Dina seemed to, quote, uh, grow tired of her life. She once again started having feelings of inadequacy. Every time Mark tried to talk to her about the, uh, their situation, Dina felt like he was insulting her personally. She would get moody and uh, disappear for a couple of weeks at a time. Oh, weeks at a time. Jeez. Jesus Christ, man. I think that for her is that that's a defense mechanism right there. Oh, but yeah. It's one that is not necessary for her. I think that she used it as kind of a, uh, uh, a crutch. That's I wonder if there me. was some mental illness happening also. Oh, definitely, definitely. But you would think that, because it, it plays out in my mind kind of like some of my exes. When you bring up a problem like, hey, man, look, I'm, I'm working like 16 to 18 hours a day. Can you at least maybe do the dishes? I'll cook. I'm cool. And they're, oh, my God, I can't believe you fucking hate me. I just asked you to do some fucking dishes so I'm not working 24 hours a day. That's what I'm thinking. With right. But that's just that's just how it's my a, brain works. I could be wrong. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Okay. Trying to nurse a burp here. <laughs> Get it out. Deep breath. <laughs> 
That's when Mark suspected that Dina started using drugs. Drugs! They're all on drugs! Smoking the marijuanas! <laughs> he also thought her friends were encouraging her to divorce him. He later said, She got tired of being a mom, and she started hanging around people who were getting divorced. She... She felt she missed out because she got married right out of high school. Well, you should have thought about that, you twat. She did, but that was your choice. Yeah, don't blame your freaking kids for that shit, being tired of being a mom. What a dick. In 1990, Mark started to get the idea that Dina was sleeping with other men. Like, I'm sure there wasn't any sleep going on. Yeah. Like, they always say sleeping with, but I don't see two people, like, snoring. Like, you're not sneaking out over the neighbor's house going, your bed's so comfortable. <laughs> Is that a pillow top? <laughs> oh, my God. A bamboo pillow. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, best sleep ever. You're not doing that shit. No. no. That, that's fucking. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. He made the decision to, uh, then to file for the divorce. He also sought sole custody of their daughters because he was worried she was getting high all the time. Not a good female role model no, for kidding, daughters. Man. I was going to take care of the kids, but then I got high. Then I got high. <laughs> yeah. The difficult divorce was further complicated in December of 91 when Dina gave birth to her fourth child. Jesus. The baby daddy. I have to correct something. Sorry. There we go. The baby daddy was a man she was sharing an apartment with in Grandview. He later acknowledged the courts that he was the father of her fourth daughter. Daughter, I am your father. <laughs> I am your father. Yes. No! <laughs> and then she lost her hand. Yes. Now we call her Hookie. Mark and his parents were granted custody of Dina's three uh, daughters. Even so, the divorce file remained open for 15 years. That's how long it took for the courts to sort out the custody, paternity, and support issues pertaining to her youngest daughter. Good God. Christ. I thought my divorce was taking a long time. No shit. At 15 years old, she's ready to drive a car. She may have already been boning or blowing dudes. You don't know. <laughs> That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but yes, she could have. No, teenagers now are not like teenagers when I okay. When when I was growing up when, when we were in California, yeah, there was like some fifteen year olds that were total whores. You know? N- not me, believe it or not, which shocks a lot of people. <laughs> but I wasn't you know, but for the most part at fifteen year old, years old. When I was growing up, it's like, I just want to listen to the Backstreet Boys and, uh, and you know, just go with my friends. And then my hair has to be big and puffy because it's the 80s. You know, things like that. And nowadays, like, fucking 15-year-olds are walking around going, I think she's a hooker. Holy yeah. shit, look at her. tits are hanging out, half of her ass. And then moms and dads. So it's just her expressing herself. Yeah, expressing that she wants to suck some dick. That's what the fuck she's doing. Get a, get a grip on your kids. That's, that's my thing. Okay, I'm done pitching. <laughs> That's still, that I that's going back to the the whole infantilization of teenage girls though. Oh yeah. I'm going to I got to go back to that. Like yes, you they all look older now than they used to. But they're having hormones and maybe that is what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, honestly it scares me, you know, and that's that's why I'm glad that I know the age of my girlfriend now. Because yeah. fucking, my fear has always been, let's say that I'm not seeing anybody right now. 
and I go out on a date, and the date is good. It's fantastic. And yeah, maybe she's a little bit younger than me. That's fine. That's fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, like a couple months goes by. You guys have already been doing some weird shit. And by the way, I'm 17 and you're, woo, get on the ground. And then they're pointing guns at you and I'm going to fucking prison. Yeah. I'm too pretty to go to prison. I'm just saying. <laughs> Way too pretty. Assert yourself from the beginning. I try to. but then In- they- Insert yourself. I tried to. Then they 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 knocked me down, and then they they took my booty hole. Sorry, I have to. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> but then I started to like it, so we're okay. Um, it's not right. God damn it! <coughs> See what happens when you guys aren't here. <laughs> Fucking mind starts going. Start making jokes about people taking my booty hole. God damn. So after Mark filed for divorce, Dina tried to support herself with a succession of minimum wage jobs. There's nothing wrong with that. At least she's trying. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put that out there. Even if you got that minimum wage job and that's your skill set, at least you're fucking trying. You're not like some of these assholes out there who sit there and go, the government will just support everything that I do. Yeah. Because I I don't want to go out there and even try. You're not like that. So fucking at least you're trying. Right. Some of them included a seasonal position as a clerk at Toys R Us. That's a badass job. Oh I would love God. to have that job. Seasonal? That means Christmas. No, I did, but she had to play Toys with toys. No, that means you deal with irate customers. <laughs> oh, I would love Fuck that. Fuck that job. No, I thank was you. talking to Don, and we have a joke, and it's 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 uh, it's almost a joke. I want to get a job where she works because she works customer service, just to see how long I would last. And I want to do it an during hour? the hour. <laughs> I want to do it during the Christmas season because I'm thinking within an hour somebody's gonna get irate, and then my mouth. Look here, fucktard. Yeah. Do you not see the size of me? I can lay you out. That's fine. Oh, you don't want the watch now? That's fucking amazing. How about I cram it up your pie hole? Get the fuck like, out of here. Mr. Alexander, you can't call him fucktards. Well, what if he's a fucktard and doesn't know it? Like, <laughs> it's I'm my too- job to educate people. I'm helping this man. He can better himself. He can, hey, you know what? I'm kind of a fucktard. I need to, you know, kind of correct my shit. He might not know. And his family <laughs> might not tell him. I'm helping. So. Yes. Other temporary jobs, like the one selling pastries at Lamar's Donut, there's nothing wrong with that. Each new job she managed to get was obtained so she could feed her meth monkey. Meth monkey. <laughs> you funky monkey. <laughs> meth monkey junkie. Yeah. You funky monkey. Little beastie boys for y'all. Woo! <laughs> God damn, I got to lay off the fucking caffeine. I'm like wired for sound. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You think that I'm the one on meth? No, my name is not Methany. It's legal. <laughs> <coughs> and now I'm over here choking. And not on dick. <laughs> it didn't take long for the baby daddy to fight Dina for custody. Of the daughter they shared. Well, I would hope they shared. They didn't like split her in half or anything. I mean, that's <laughs> Which not half right. do you want? Yeah, what do you want? I want the upper half because the bottom half, very stinky. Mm, left or right? <laughs> I just want the part that doesn't poop. <laughs> it all came to a head in 1996 when the attorney argued in court that he deserved sole custody of the girl. The lawyer alleged that she, quote, has a history of drug use, including the marijuanas <laughs> and crystal meth. Oh, my God. Crystal meth, honey. 
and has <laughs> used drugs in the presence of the child. Okay, look, just because her four-year-old is rolling a blunt or knows how to pack a bog doesn't mean she's a bad mom. I'm just saying. Just saying. Life skills. Yeah, it's life skills, man. <clears throat> You're helping her out. <laughs> Remember, honey, don't drink the bong water. Oh, God. You'll be retarded. Yeah. Oh, my God. The judge ruled in the favor of the father. However, a short time later, Dina took him back to court, stating that the five-year-old girl was too far too young to be separated from her mother. Even though she was fucking off most of the time and not right. there. And that's what I'm thinking. Like, seriously, because, like, okay, if she's just smoking weed, I can go, you know what, fucking smoke pot. I don't give a Because having kids, I think that pot should have uh, been legal. It stopped me from killing Oh, shit, kids. yeah. <laughs> a I, few times. I wish that it was legal, like, a long time ago, because... There's that fine line between I'm going out to smoke a cigarette because you're a little shithead. Yeah. And sitting there going, I need to fucking smoke a blunt. Because if not, I'm going to murder. I'm going I'm to drown this little fucker. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to just drown him. It doesn't mean we don't love our kids. Exactly. Kids, kids are just fucking annoying sometimes. According to the court documents, Dina claimed, quote, the girl telephoned her on a daily basis and cried for her. I'm going to call bullshit, Dina. But it, you, you might be. You might be true. You might be telling the truth. So who knows? Eventually, it was revealed in, co- in court that both Dina and her father were guilty of using drugs in front of their daughter. As Fantastic. Re- yeah, yeah, that's just, that's that's like a dysfunctional Brady yeah. Bunch shit going on right there. Going, look here, little uh, sweetheart. Let me show you how to, you know, fucking do some meth. That's fucking, <laughs> that's, that's a great life skill right there. That's Methany Jr. As a result, in 1998, the judge chose to award them joint custody. <laughs> That's great. Joint custody? <laughs> okay, look. You teach her how to smoke the marijuanas, and you, Daddy, it's all the meth for you. That's just, that's great. That's great life skills. Yeah. Later that same year, Dina spent six days in jail when she failed to pay child support. Then she racked up charges for writing bad checks to two uh, municipal on two municipal citations in Lee's Summit. This led the father to file for sole custody once again. Because if somebody's going to teach my kids how to do drugs, it's going to be me. Maybe neither of you should have custody. <laughs> That's Maybe. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the judge should have said, hold on, I'm calling Child Protective Services mm-hmm. right now because neither of you retards are going to have a kid. Yeah. And both of you have to be sterilized because you just know. You're no done. more. No mas. <laughs> yeah. In order to arrive at the same place in hell, Davis and Dina took a very different path to get there. Dina threw a good life away. Davis never really had a life to begin with. Davis spent approximately 50% of his life uh, up to that point in and out of juvenile detention centers in Missouri and Missouri State Prisons. Approximately 16 years before she met him, Dina chose to leave her husband and three daughters to recapture what she felt that she had missed out on after high school. That's like the old jocks that are like fucking my age in their 40s going, well, I remember back in high school, I was a quarterback and we won all state. People are like, oh, those are the best years of your life. And I'm like, if those are the best years of my life, fucking A, the rest of my life is going to (laughs) suck. Because high school wasn't there. Some parts were really good. And but most of it was not. So high school was okay, but I got into a lot of fights because I'm a. I've always been a big dude at the time I was, you know, yeah. muscles, 
and but yet you know I spoke soft and slow in a southern draw, so people are like, "Hey, let's pick on this guy because what's this idiot gonna do?" Not realizing my IQ, and then I get into fights, knock the shit out of people, and they be like, "Sir, you're suspended again." I'm like, oh, that's fine. I saw that coming. I saw that yeah. coming. But guess what? He's got two teeth missing, so it's trade. It's fair trade. It's fair. Very little information has ever been released about what Davis and Dina saw in each other. Uh, you know, when they met, and that led them to become a couple. However, reports indicate they had a lot in common. Yeah, they're both idiots. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they had somewhat parallel lives with their histories or troubled tra- uh, childhoods. Spotty employment records, drug abuse, and allegations, allegations of violence. So let's talk about good old Davis's route to hell. <laughs> that it, that's a Slayer album. Take the I, isn't, highway. Isn't that a Slayer album? I think that's a Slayer album. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. he's on the highway. That's why I said, did he take hell? the highway? <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to pick up my guitar and start playing Highway to Hell now. <laughs> Richard Dean Davis grew up being called Ricky by his friends. Oh, that's why the hell she that's said Ricky. Why. She didn't yes. say this is his nickname. Just threw a Ricky out there. According to Stan Cawthorn, his former stepfather, Davis's childhood could uh, only be described as trouble. Stan said, quote, he had problems with authority mostly. Well, you think? Obviously. (laughs) Even though Stan didn't know all the details, he did know that around the time Davis was six years old, he was involved in... An accidental shooting. Oh, boy. God dang, man. Yeah. Six-year-old with a gat, yo. He's like, <laughs> look out. Thug. That's right. He's like, he's shooting people. He's making, he's dropping a rap album. Oh, this is bad, though. Oh, you read forward. I yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he accidentally shot his birth father with, father with a rifle. What oh. the fuck? Yeah. God damn, Yosemite Sam. Fucking Elmer Fudd shit going on. He's not a wascally <laughs> wabbit. Although his father survived the wound, the trauma of the event stuck with Davis throughout the rest of his life. I'm sure it did. You think? Yeah. Like, seriously, if I'm out hunting and I accidentally, let's say, shot John, that would stick with me pretty goddamn good. If I blow my dad away? Seriously. And I don't even like my dad, and he's dead anyway, so it's not going to do much good to shoot him. But, um, yeah, that's going to stick with me for being six years old. I, was, I almost I almost accidentally shot my brother when we were out shooting with my dad as kids. And I <laughs> I dropped the gun and it went off. And my brother was like, you know, six. Oh, shit. Running around. And I, I almost accidentally shot my brother. Good job there, Wyatt Earp. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, also, it, it, it also resulted in his parents' divorce a, a short time later. Reports indicate that Davis was born in Kansas City and was raised around the Northeast area with his three siblings. <clears throat> Once he reached the seventh grade, he felt he, uh, he'd be better off leaving home because of problems with his family. He also decided he didn't want to go to school anymore either, so he dropped out. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's seventh grade. Education. education. Yeah. I'm sure that you're a smart one, <laughs> Mr. Rick. Yeah. yeah. Davis later stated that it didn't take long after that uh, before the authorities picked him up for truancy and being a runaway. 
As a result, the courts ordered him to uh, spend four years in a ward as a ward of uh, Missouri Juvenile Authority. He spent ages 13 to 17 being shuffled around the, uh, the following juvenile facilities. Oh, we're going to go into that. Okay, fine. He was, a, he was a fucking prick. That's what he was as a kid. Like, the kid needed to be backhanded. He was angry. He needed to be backhanded is what he did, a little fucking smartass. Yeah. yeah. The Missouri Training School for Boys in Boonesville, Missouri, now known as a, uh, the adult facility Boonesville Correction Center. Watkins Mill Park Camp in Lawson, Missouri. Green County Juvenile Detention Center in Springfield, Missouri. I actually know where all these places are. <laughs> and I wasn't in them. I just, I've been around Missouri a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hitting my, my nail, or my uh, vape. Davis's former sister-in-law, Tammy Jackson. Oh, my God. I wonder if she's related to Michael. <laughs> Does she have a glove? Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. It's I okay. Am for real. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it makes me think of. <laughs> now, now I want to start moonwalking and uh, <laughs> go grab a glove. Talked about that time, quote, he lived on the streets and then was in and out of facilities. <clears throat> According to Dr. Sh- Seifert's. Thank you. Sanford's book, How Children Become Violent, Davis's childhood followed the, uh, followed the, quote, diagnostic template for psychopaths and sociopaths. Yep, yep. She says that the trauma he suffered from the shooting uh, accident played a part. However, did the detachment disorder he developed uh, from being part of a broken family uh, and his long-term stint in juvenile detention, those are classic red flag risk factors for teenagers turning into violent adults. Yep. Doctor is a safer, right? Yep. <laughs> Fuck, there that, you right? go. I've read that name 15 times. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dr. Safer said, quote, they do, they do not learn to attach to other people or develop relationships to teach them uh, how, how, what, how what? Okay. How they... Uh, how what they do. Oh, gotcha. There should be a comma there, I'm just saying. How what they do affects another person. They get stuck in a me, 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 me. <laughs> I feel better now. Stage. <laughs> On stage, it's me, me, me. That's normal when you're two. But that's not normal when you're 22. Yeah, that becomes a problem. That goes out to you damn 22-year-old kids. It's not all about me, me, me and playing the Pokemon and the Call of Duty and smoking the marijuanas. You need to get a job, you bum. You okay over there? Yes. Okay. See, this is the shit that you miss, huh? Not knowing if I'm going to kill you with laughter. Davis was released from custody of the Missouri Juvenile Authority shortly before celebrating his 18th birthday. Upon his release, he struggled to survive in the free world as an adult. Well, of course, he spent his almost his entire teenage years in a juvenile facility. He doesn't know how. Yeah. How many juvenile facilities have you ever heard of that teach life skills right. for adults? None. None. It doesn't no. fucking happen. Nope. Oh, it's a mystery of why that happened. It's no yeah. mystery, stupid. Must be want to drink my soda pop. <laughs> 
Right after Davis earned his freedom, he got hired to work as a fry cook at Shoney's Restaurant. I, I know Shoney's. At the Krusty Krab. <laughs> fry cook. That's what that makes me think um, of, Spongebob. I had the Krusty Krab once, and they gave me some special shampoo. You got some ointment for that. <laughs> got some ointment for that. It was okay <laughs> after that. I wasn't Krusty Krabby anymore. There was no Squidward going on. <laughs> He quit that job after working there for only two weeks. When he was later asked why he quit, he simply replied, I wasn't interested in being a fry cook. <laughs> That's great, because you have so many fucking job skills. You got a lot to choose from here, yeah. I mean, the world's your oyster with that seventh grade education now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> after that, he got a job working as an attendant for, Kansas, for a Kansas City car wash. He was injured after being there for a couple of weeks, when he received an acid burn. I've done acid too, man. While he was working at the car wash. And dealing acid, man. <laughs> that was a bad trip at the car wash, yeah. dude. Yeah. As a result, the company decided the best way to handle the situation was to lay him off. Like, get the fuck out of here. You're a loser. What were you using at the car wash? Acid. That they gave just you an told acid burn. You, man. <laughs> you told me to use an acid, man. <laughs> When he lost that job, Stan helped him get a job working uh, for a plastics manufacturer in Kansas. Stan said, and I quote, he was old enough to work, so I helped him get a job. Now, that makes sense. That's a, that's a real meaningful quote. That's, that's stupid. That, yeah. What a dumb fucking thing to say. <laughs> that's like saying, he's a male, so therefore he has a penis. Well, yeah, that's kind of Captain Obvious. <laughs> fucking A, man. That guy deserves a war in a hat. Davis quit that job after only a few months as well. Later, he was asked why he chose to quit, and he replied, the 50-mile round trip to drive to work was too much. Okay, that I can relate to. That's a lot, but really what it comes down to is he doesn't like to have a boss telling him what to do because he's got a problem with authority. No, totally, totally. I can see that, but 50-mile round trip? That's, yeah. After you've been working all day and you're probably hot and you're sweating and you're fucking tired. That's 25 each way. That's a half hour. I mean, I've done it before, and it's it's exhausting. Yeah. Well, that's when Davis, who never really had any motivation, we could figure that one out, though, yeah. boys and girls, decided to earn money the quick and dirty way by being a hooker. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's <laughs> not how. That's not how. He wasn't, like, blowing dudes, I don't think. Not that yet. is still committing a crime. Oh, <laughs> can't even suck a dick without going to fucking prison. Nope. Jesus Christ. By committing crimes, of course. Unfortunately, he couldn't do that very well either. He was arrested multiple times in several counties in northwest Missouri. Like, they knew him. The second they saw him, they said, have you committed oh, crimes? He's, you. <laughs> with that seventh grade education, he's probably like, yeah, I just not robbed a house. Yeah, you know, you got to go back to the jail, right? Oh, no. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. You, you want to put the cuffs on me now, or do you want... Like, I'll just get in the, the car. Thing? Yeah, I'm going to get in the car. I, I know where we're going. It's yeah. cool. Hand me the cuffs. No, I'm cuffing myself behind my back right now. I'm used to this <laughs> shit. Uh, the authorities decided to try him for all the crimes in one trial. In February of 1984, Davis was found guilty of theft, burglary, and receiving stolen property. But not receiving dick. Okay, I'm surprised. <laughs> Barely 22 years old, and he received three years in an adult facility. And now the butt raping's going to start. I now know it. it starts. Like my brother Phil, man, he went in a tight end and came out a wide receiver. Oh, God. <laughs> I love making fun of my brother Phil. <clears throat> As part of his plea bargain to avoid serving hard time. <laughs> yeah, that's a double entendre there. Yeah, yeah. 
He told the authorities where they could find a convict wanted for escaping prison. In other words... He was a snitch. That's right. He became the jailhouse snitch, and snitches wind up with stitches. Yep. Davis later told uh, some lawyers, quote, his, the convict's, brother was in jail, and he was very well known throughout the prison system uh, anywhere in Missouri. He's well known in the system. For, from that point forward, anytime Davis was uh, sent to prison, he had to serve his time <laughs> in protective custody. I bet he did. Yeah, I bet he did. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, I, here's what I think. I think that the other inmates had a nice, polite discussion with him over tea mm-hmm. and maybe some, some scones, you know, and they said, hey... Could you not, like, snitch on people? And he's off. I can't do that. Okay, well, we thought we'd ask. Okay, bye-bye. That's what happened. <laughs> totally. It That's didn't happen happened. in the shower in the middle of the night. <laughs> then it was in the shower, and he kept dropping the liquid soap, and then they said, no, we're good. We're just, yeah. just going to back off over here because you're sick. After serving only 26 months behind bars in April of 86, David was, Davis was paroled. As a condition of his parole, he was required to find employment. Well, duh, that's, yeah, that's the thing. This is going to go well. This time around, he continued his sporadic work habits with more short-lived jobs. Probably handing out flyers, being a sign twirler. <laughs> being a getting signatures. Getting signatures. Petitions. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's, that's awesome. Maybe he's cleaning up the, uh, the, the video booths at porn shops. A job is a job. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, the video boost. <laughs> the first job Davis got after his release from Kansas City was at a Kansas City gas station. His job required him to pump gas and sell cigarettes and lottery tickets to customers. Pretty easy shit, right? Seriously. He managed to keep that job for a few short weeks. Because that's complicated, apparently, for Davis. I just thought that was simple shit, but all right. After that, he was hired at a truck stop in Oak Grove. I know where that is, actually. There's a, there's, there's, there's a TA there, a, a, a Petro, rather. There's yeah. a Petro truck stop there. I've been there many times. He worked 3 p.m. to 12 a.m. Uh, shift pumping diesel. He quit that job after working approximately four months. Wow, that's his longest stint. Holy cow. He's starting to sound like Will. He's starting to sound like my son. <laughs> I he heard it. that. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping he did. Love you, Jake. <laughs> when he was asked later why he chose to quit the job, he replied, the hours I was working, I didn't care for them much, so I quit. Well, of course, because, you know, you want to be top man on a totem pole. Yeah. When you're fucking I just don't want to work is what it comes down exactly. to. Exactly. Finally, Davis got a job working for a construction company in Odessa. His job responsibilities included driving truck and light carpentry work. He only kept that job until he couldn't stay out of trouble any longer. And then he finding himself in prison for the second time. <laughs> One more time. Let's do the jailhouse rock. <laughs> Davis, Davis only tasted freedom for approximately 18 months. He was arrested again uh, when a woman accused him of raping her. 
According to the police reports, in October of 87, she was with him at his mother's house in Lexington, Missouri, when he pulled out a knife and held it to her throat while he raped her and sodomized her. And saying, what a Squirrel like a pig. fucker. Yeah, that's fucked up. Man. Literally. But, and yeah. figuratively. No kidding. <clears throat> During his first meeting with the public defender, Davis was adamant that he didn't even know the woman. Then why was she with you at your mother's house? No, I bring strange women over to my parents' house all the time. All the time, yeah. Yeah, I just drive down the road and go, hey, strange lady, you want to go see my parents? And like, sure, strange, mean-looking dude. (laughs) Let me get in your nondescript vehicle with free candy on the side. Let's go see your parents. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. It's fine. Um, She was probably a hitchhiker. (laughs) (laughs) A short time later, while meeting uh, with his attorney again, he admitted that he had consensual sex with the woman on the day before he the alleged rape. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was consensual the day before. At the time, yeah, it wasn't. You had a knife in your jailbird. You know, you got like this history and shit. The next time he met with his attorney, the statement changed again. Mm. That time, Davis said that he and the victim engaged in consensual sex on the night of the alleged rape. He eventually pled guilty to the rape charges. However, a short time after that, he tried to withdraw his plea. Get your story straight. It's, it's a seventh grade education. That's yeah. why there's one as an idiot. In his appeal, he claimed that he did not receive adequate representation from a public defender. That appeal, of course, was rejected. Like, yeah, you did. You're just a moron. If you had more than a seventh grade education, maybe you could afford a better lawyer. Well, here... <laughs> Here's what I think it was. I think they used big words with more than two syllables, mm-hmm. and it confused him. Like when they said, like, detention, <laughs> they went, what is that? That's three syllables. I'm he so should lost. have known that word by that point, having been in a juvenile detention center yeah, but it since he was 13. It's that, it's that third <laughs> syllable, man. It's yeah. that third syllable. It fucked him up. Davis received twenty-five year a 25-year prison sentence. He stayed briefly in Lafayette County Jail before he was transferred to Missouri State Prison Facility. Guards in the jail described him as a talkative inmate, rude and mouthy, little mouthy bastard. He served 17 years and 11 months in prison before uh, he convinced the parole board that he was a born-again Christian. Praise the Lord and a changed man. Brothers and sisters, please gather around me. The Lord came down <laughs> and he told me that I am a changed man. Can I get a hallelujah? Praise the Lord. <laughs> hallelujah, Brother Ricky. Oh. That's right. They decided to give him a chance and released him once again. And we said that at the beginning. So I just want to read it. I think they just didn't want to deal with him anymore for a while. They're like, we could use a break from this guy. I'm liking the title of this next one. His jailhouse marriage <laughs> is brief. <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> That's what I want to know now. <laughs> According to records, while Davis was in prison in 2001, he met a, oh, it was a woman. Okay. He met a woman who lived in a suburb of St. Louis. That's in Missouri too, folks. Apparently they were married that same year. He filed for a divorce in, a, in 2004. In his divorce petition, he, he cited that the following as the reasons for his divorce. The two had lived apart since the day of their marriage, had no children, and had accumulated no real or personal property. In August of 
2005, the judge granted Davis a divorce. It was it, like you were never really married. It's like, dude, you didn't see that coming? You're in prison. You're in jail. And she's, well, not, not. in yeah. prison with you. You didn't see that coming, huh? Okay, no. I, seventh grade, man. Fucking A. Yeah. So good old Davis meets Dina. It sounds like a love story. When Davis met Dina. Well, it is. <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> Mm, my heart just flutters. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Jill House marriages and Dina. This is going to be just great. I get all choked up. It's a lifetime movie. <laughs> Your favorite. Fucking the man hater channel. <laughs> Shortly after Davis was released from prison in 2005, he was hired to work for a Kansas City metal fabrication company as a janitor. That's a good job for him. That's fucking, that's low end. It's a job. It's a job. Just do the yes, job. Mop your floors and fucking and change toilet up. papers and shut the fuck up and do your job. Yeah. Dina was hired by the same place towards the end of the year. She worked in, a, in light assembly uh, production as a part-time seasonal employee. The two met on the job and began dating shortly after. It was love over a mop handle. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'm so, oh, tear in my eyes. This is beautiful. There he was mopping. And she's like, hey, Studley, man, do you have any meth? I mean, you look really good. And he's like, I might have some meth. I mean, you're beautiful. Mm. And oh, it's a match made in meth. It's fantastic. The two managed to get an upstairs apartment in a nice brick house on Truman Road. Normally, one wouldn't consider Davis to be a great catch out of the boyfriend pond. However, it was obvious that both of them were swimming at the bottom of the relationship barrel. <laughs> yeah. That is fucking beautiful. To the researcher, that's, that is, good. that's yes. really fucking good. Like, seriously, a... <laughs> I fucking love that. I am so using that in my real life. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <coughs> Hold on. I got to get a drink. <laughs> I'm dying over here. I think we've all been swimming there at least once. Swimming nothing. I live there. Picking up every piece of garbage you could. Here's the thing about crazy women, though. Seriously. With crazy women, the sex is always bomb. Like, they will do things that you can't even think of. Like, because I didn't. I, I have an idea. And you're like, what's your idea? And they'll tell you, you're like, that is fuck up. All right. Let's do it. Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do I put that ball gag? There. Okay. No, no, let's do it. And plus, I, I kind of like the feeling of, am I going to survive through the night? Is she going to stab me? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. And every morning you wake up, you're really fucking thankful. You're thankful, yeah. <clears throat> Some articles even describe Dina as being an overweight, bleach blonde meth addict. How is she sense. overweight? With bad teeth and what? Oh, yeah. How are you a meth addict and being overweight? Now, okay. Okay. I, okay. Hold on. I'm going to defend her because if this oh, twat wait. is Just, doing yeah. meth, meth heads... Methanies of the world are not known for having a, quote, weight problem. You know what I mean? Like, they're not eating a lot of donuts yeah, right. and shit. Right, like she's saying, though, re read ahead and uh, we keep reading. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Seifert. That was right, right? Okay, cool. I got a thumbs up. It wasn't even up my bum. Said that, the, <laughs> that it was best when she stated, water seeks its own level. 
I personally don't know why she was considered overweight since she was around 5'5 five, five tall and only weighed approximately 140 pounds. Seriously. Yeah, that's that's fine. That you know might be a little chunk. I mean, I would think but then it, five, at five nine, I must be like Jabba the Hut if that's overweight. Give no, me a fucking break. You're you're fucking hot. Well, I'm just saying. Thank you. And I don't think that anybody in this room should be wearing clothes. I'm just saying. <laughs> but that's just me. That's just me. I've got my nipple tassels. I got we my wear kilt. clothes for other people's comfort, <laughs> and it makes me sad. Just sad. It's just there's not enough nakedness and sex going on. I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what a pig. Jesus Christ. He's trying to get people naked. What's wrong with him? I think Scott needs some counseling. Like, seriously, we're going to send him to go see a shrink. Jesus Christ. What a mouth on him. You've been there already. I don't <laughs> think there's help for you. There isn't. <laughs> My shrink, I feel bad for him because I'm pretty sure that he needs to shrink after every session after with me. After talking to you. Oh, yeah. Davids wasn't much better in the looks department, by the way. He was around 240 pounds and approximately six foot tall. Untidy brown hair, dull hazel, hazel eyes, badly groomed mustache, <laughs> and a cleft turtle chin. <laughs> really? Am I not turtle enough for the turtle club? <laughs> His overly uh, bulging prison earned muscles were covered in a hodgepodge collection of badly inked jailhouse tattoos. These tattoos adorned his wrists, chest, ankle, back, and his buttocks. He's almost wearing a suit. Yeah, well, the one on his butt, said, uh, on his butt said manhole and had a, a you know a, an arrow, so he was good. He was fine. <laughs> so, all visitors welcome. While he was in prison, and shortly after he was released, he sported an outdated mullet hairstyle that wasn't anything to be <laughs> proud of. Just the standard short bangs oh, and God. hair falling down the back. Stop right there. He had a mullet. Motherfuckers, don't be making fun of the mulletude. He As had mulletude. As a hairstylist, I can make fun of mullets all I want. I want a mullet. If I could grow the right no. amount of hair, oh, yeah. I no. So, no. Nope. Put the foot down. See, see this right here? Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy no. Ray Cyrus mullet. Like, I would, I, I would start every conversation They'd be, Scott, how are you doing? Well, don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart. <laughs> but I'm having a great day. Hey, Scott, what kind of uh, truck do you drive? Well, don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky <laughs> heart. But it's a Ford F-150. That, that, every con- I, it would be great. It would be, I would sing Billy Ray Cyrus songs every day if I had the right mullet. It's going to start to make me physically ill having <laughs> to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck me running. Okay. Uh, we're, he didn't even bother to try to add any sort of style to it. Oh, that's why. Well, Sad no. mullet. Okay. I'm sure every mullet hunter across the state was glad when he chopped it off. No which shit. is true, because I used to go mullet hunting, and if I saw that sad-ass mullet, I'd be like, that's just, that's not right. This man needs a better mullet. He needs, he needs a superhero in his life. Billy Wright! Come visit he this man. He just needs the right products and a blow dryer. Yes. Oh, yes. And better tattoos. Yeah. It was so obvious to everyone who crossed it, uh, who crossed paths with him that he was a former inmate and that he should have just added another tattoo to his collection. This one of his prison ID scrawled across his forehead. <laughs> you know, like the guy with the state of uh, Florida, uh, uh, 
tattoo on his forehead from the Scotty and Squatch show. If you don't know that one, go back and listen to Scotty and Squatch. There was a guy who actually had, it was great. He had a state of Florida tattooed on his forehead. He needed to ride home. He called 911. Oh, jeez. So the cops come out, and they go, dude, no, we're, we're not a taxi service. Just walk home. He's like, okay, call 911 again. And the third time, they go, you're going to jail. We're done. We've come out three times. You, you walk. You know, fucking yeah. call an Uber. <coughs> Despite the fact that most women found Davis to be considerably unattractive, he thought he was a real player because he had a fucking mullet, people. Don't uh, deny the mullet. That was obvious by the fact that he attempted to come on to every woman who happened to glance his way, even if it was by mistake. By mistake. Like, hey, is that a Dunkin' Donuts? Hey, baby, how you doing? Yeah. Oh, look oh, here, God, mullet man. No. Yeah. You need Billy Ray Cyrus's help because that right there. Mm, no, I no. just don't think he'd understand. No, <laughs> no, he would not understand. <laughs> And if, if you do it just right, he'll blow up and kill this man. <laughs> woo, woo. According to Carol Boyston, his neighbor downstairs, he was always trying to seduce somebody. That's yeah. me. I try to seduce people all the time. I try to seduce my dog. It's practice. It's practice. I'm not like going to molest my dog, by the way. He tried to get me up there, but I never wanted to get involved with him. I thought he was just a big flirt. He seemed uh, like a nice guy, although he did have some sh- uh, his strange side. Well, he has that fucking mullet. There must have been some really good insulation in that place. No shit. God damn. <laughs> this guy's amazing. Like, seriously, I think we should have featured him on, like, the Scotty and Squatch show or any other comedy show that we can think of because... This guy's story alone, now that we're on the mullet, I actually like him because he's so ridiculous. With a seventh grade uh, education and a shitty mullet. And And a whole bunch of shitty tattoos. And a bunch of shitty jailhouse tattoos. And he can't even maintain his own mustache. (laughs) This guy is someone who wanted to be given rides a lot. I'm really shocked that he is not from Florida. Actually, that's just, yeah. this is that—that's the most shocking thing of this whole deal going on. For example, Carol claimed that every time Davis had a woman over to his apartment, he had made sure that she knew about it. Hey, look what I'm getting laid again. Yeah, well, she's a fucking elephant, and she has four eyes, like they're literally growing out of her skull and horns. So. He also consistently attempted to provide her with every sordid detail of his sexual relationships. See that? Four inches is enough. The details always included the ages of the alleged women involved. Apparently, some were barely 18. Carol said he bragged and he still had he bragged that he still had it, that whole four inches in his pants. He was bribing, is more like it. Yeah, he's like, hey little girl. Come in here. I have meth. Well, That's I, exactly what like, he did. I have a drug addiction. <laughs> I have a drug addiction and bad daddy issues, and I want my life to end, so let me follow you. And he's, he's like, hey, why not? Yeah, like, what probably. could go wrong? Yeah, it happened to me. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. That's, that's horrible. Davis details. Davis's details failed to mention one important fact. The women that he had sharing his bed with him were meth addicts. Ha ha! See? He was bribing. Yes. 
who were there because he told them that he would give them drugs to have sex with them. I yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I must have ESP, extra Scotty power. When Davis was released from prison in the spring of 2005, he was very self-assured and cocky with his four-inch penis. I think that he's got small penis disease. This is, Everything about him, like seriously. He's probably got more than one disease. Everything about this dude's profile so far tells me that, seriously, I think that he had short man syndrome and, and short penis disease. He was six foot two. No, no, no. Short internally. Okay. You know, you could be 100 yes. feet tall. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who goes... Okay, I need to compensate. I need to get my 4x4 four four out, and I need to have it jacked up 50 right. feet in the air with giant tires. See how big my penis is? Like, sure it is, Stumpy. Sure. Yeah, go for it. When Davis was released from prison in, in 2005, he was very cocky. Considering he had nothing to show for his life, some thought it was strange for him to have that attitude about himself, and so do I. With all of this confidence that he had, he had very capable of requesting... Uh, he was very capable of requesting exactly what he desired from the women he approached. With a knife. Yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> he never. You're going to get whatever you want when you got that. Yeah. He never even hesitated to ex- uh, expressing that he wanted violent sex for, from them. Like, hey, I want violent sex. Let me beat the shit out of you. And some women would probably go, Well, okay. that is the thing. If that's what you want, there is someone who will oblige. Oh, shit, yeah. There's, there's some chicks that like I, I'm it's not, called masochism. He's a sadist. He's yeah. going to look for a masochist. Yeah. You know, go for him, man. Early in their relationship, Davis and Dina were starting to develop various other relationships with the underbelly culture of the seedy areas of Kansas City, which is all of Kansas City. <laughs> Several women known to live in the prostitution and meth world in KC later claimed that a woman... <coughs> had been going around trying to hustle phone numbers. This woman said that she was Davis's cousin and the numbers were for him. Mostly, uh, most later uh, identified as uh, Dina's cousin, uh, as, as his cousin, as, Ding, as Dana. Like, she was the one. Because, you know, I, I'd do that for my cousin. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call up my cousin Fuck. Tommy and my cousin Eric and go, hey, can I hustle you up some numbers? Some yeah. We go talk to hookers and meth heads. Yeah. One of the women who gave the cousin her number, Lori Dunsville, received a call from Davis in April of 2006. After their phone conversation, she agreed to go over to his apartment because she's an idiot. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to put a slice of bread on each side of her head and go, what are you? That's an right. Idiot sandwich. An idiot sandwich. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon Ramsay. Yes. As soon as she arrived, he put a DVD pl- uh, in the player. Uh, that was a video of him and another woman having sex. Because nothing says romantic. Like showing you boning another chick. Right. As soon as the video started playing, Lori said that Davis told her he wanted me to participate in being a serial killer with him. <laughs> Just, yeah. No hesitation. Uh, They're right. There you go, yeah. He wanted me to help him kill women and get rid of their bodies. Well, at least he's directed to the point. Hey, how's it going? Have a beer. Have a little bit of meth. By the way, I want you to be a serial killer with me. Help me get rid of the bodies. What do you think? Yeah. ah, That's reasonable. No problem. I mean, that's a great first date conversation. Yeah. Apparently, when you've had a lot of confidence... Yeah, just play a recording and uh, of you having sex with another woman and turn to the one you're with 
on the couch and say, hey, let's kill women together. What do you say? <laughs> and she's like, okay. I'm five. You have, you have meth and I have bad decision-making skills. Davis became animated as he explained how, how they would do it. They would convince uh, the girl to have a three-way with them and then suffocate her while they were having sex. However, he didn't want to stop there. He told her that they could uh, videotape it so they could enjoy watching what they had done later on. Lori said she chose to get the heck out of there. Get the fuck out of here. It's a smart girl. Like, seriously. Um, Thanks for the offer. Okay. And thanks for the meth. That's awesome. Um, I need to step outside for a little fresh air. Poof, she's gone. Gone. Smart chick. Yeah. Well, obviously, Dina made the opposite choice. (laughs) So, great idea. Let's do this. Let's do it. High five. High five. Let's go kill some chicks. According to Dr. Here we go again. You can do it. Safert. Safert. Yes. <laughs> Any normal person who believed that sadism and rape were ad- uh, aberrant and who found that her boyfriend was into those things would have been gone. She stayed. Which tells you something about the sort of person that she is. It definitely does. We're actually going to have to wrap this one up pretty soon because I spent so much time bullshit and we're running out of time with it. <laughs> Fuck. Leave it to me in my big ass mouth, right? It's the caffeine. It's not my fault. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a victim of my own environment. Dina's first clue was that, uh, that something wasn't going to end well for her should have been Davis's unnatural obsession with violent porn. Like Dr. Seyfried explained, an alcoholic can't have a drink or he's off and running again. Sex offenders, in my opinion, should not have access to porn. Should be porn, not port. They can, go to they can the, drink all they want. They can have they can have all the port wine or go to ports <laughs> and murder there, but want. as long as you're not watching porn. Or they can be off and running again. Which makes fall sense. off the wagon. So let's wrap that this one up right here because we're pretty far into it, and uh, we're gonna have to make we're gonna part to it right there. Remember, right. you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blog. Just type in at brutalnation. We'll pop right up. Get the full story without any of my bullshit. This show's copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And we will see you guys tomorrow and later on for part two of this really, really fucked up story. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.